and welcome to Series 5 of the Why I Knit podcast. My name is Dr Mia Hobbs and I'm a clinical psychologist who is passionate about knitting and its benefits for our mental health. Each week on the podcast I talk to a different knitter about why they knit and how knitting benefits their mental health. This week on the podcast I had the pleasure of interviewing Jessica Hendrickson who is a creative design director at Lion Brand Yarn. Jessica is passionate about mental health and we share a mission to try and encourage more young people to get into knitting and crochet. Hi Jessica, welcome to the podcast. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me, I'm really excited. Um, So I always start with asking where your story with knitting began, so where did yours start? Well, it really started, I would say, my journey into art and the whole thing um, started with my grandfather. Um, he was an artist throughout my entire life. So I would always spend time with him in his studio in our backyard um, at my grandmother's house um, and just like play with whatever he had around. So it was either like paint or yarn or canvas or random things um, and make things with him all the time. So I would say that's, I think that's where it really, really started. My love for it started. And then mm-hmm. it blossomed. My aunt is very artistic as well. So, okay. So you were allowed to experiment with that stuff from an early age. Yeah. From very, like very early age. Yeah. And when did it turn in a more like yarny direction? So I would say probably when I was in high school, I decided I wanted to go in a more fashion direction. So more of like, you know, make my own clothes kind of thing. Um, so I started knitting and crocheting in high school because in art class, my art teacher taught me. Um, and then my aunt, who went to FIT, who was a um, creative director at Macy's doing all like um, window visuals and things like that, she brought me to FIT to do kind of like a tour and show me like what the world was like and like what FIT would be like if I went there. Um, and I went down into the basement where we have all those giant knitting machines. And I was just like, this is what I want to do. I need I want to be here. And then I ended up basically living in that room for four years <laughs> okay and what does FIT stand for uh the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York City okay yeah. great and did you have friends who were also knitting and crocheting their own clothes when you were a teenager or not really uh no actually it was really not it's much more popular now it was really not that popular amongst like young kids everyone thought it was for grandmas and like mm. that kind of so I think it's really the tide is definitely changing on that but um yeah not really many people I was kind of my own my own person in that regard. Yeah. And you didn't mind just going your own way. No. Yeah. Yeah, No, definitely. If you know me in my personal life, also, I'm very much my own person. Yeah. (laughs) Did it kind of, were you able to kind of create the kind of things you wanted? Were you using pattern books? Were you freestyling it? How was it happening? Well, I will be completely honest with you. It was mainly squares and rectangles. So there was really no like pattern, but I just kind of sewed things together. Like, you know, but really like a lot of embroidery and things like that. So it was a lot of just like customizing things that were already made in my earlier time. And then once I got to college, I did um, textile development, which we actually made our own fabric. So that's where I really like dove headfirst into the world of knitting and crocheting and yarn and fabric structure and things like that. Mm -hmm. And was that using machines or also by hand? Both. Um, You had to know the basics. So how to actually do it, how to weave, knit, and crochet with your hands and then obviously you can't machine crochet but we um machine knitted um garments and everything for our portfolio 
um, it was really fun. You really got to like get your hands dirty and really like learn how a yarn makes up into a garment and like get just get the basics so that you can really you know what's going on when you put those hours into a project with your hands. Yeah, yeah. And I wondered about the kind of the process of knitting and crochet, whether there was anything about that that grabbed you, or do you think you were more about the kind of aesthetic end result from the beginning, like wanted to create your own vision? <laughs> I think it definitely started where I wanted to create my own vision. Uh-huh. And then I realized how much I like, I fell in love with the craft and I do it now it's just part of my life, part of something that helps me relax, calm down, feel good about myself, feel accomplished. Um, it's turned into like a lot more, I'd say, as I've gotten older. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what's really cool is like the younger, when I speak to like younger um, people that are knitting and crocheting, they're feeling the relaxing benefits, I think a lot earlier than I felt because the world is also a lot crazier now. But yeah, I think it's it's interesting. I It definitely evolved. Mm, so it sounds like that kind of came later. That wasn't why yeah. you got into it, but it was like yeah. a unexpected byproduct, maybe. Yeah, it's almost like the whole reason why I do it now is for the relaxing benefit versus the aesthetic, like need to be like, you know, fashion forward benefit of it. It's definitely changed. I, and I, I wonder it. whether it makes a difference that that part of it, the more fashion-y designing end is your job now and yeah. the kind of doing it by hand is not yeah. your job, presumably. <laughs> It's not. I do it because I'm um, crazy and I need to make everything and do everything. But I, um, yeah, no, it's definitely the relaxing. I try to make different things in my downtime outside of work. I try to make things for my daughter, things to give people, not necessarily things that will be, you know, photographed or go like um, on our website for Lion Brand. I think it's more like definitely in my downtime, I'm making for me yeah. or for my daughter. Mm-hmm. And can you tell me a little bit, so obviously the podcast is about the kind of mental health benefits of knitting. Can you yeah. tell me a little bit about why you still reach for your knitting needles or crochet hook if you've got some downtime in the evening? Like, how does it make you feel? What does it give you? So I'm a first time mom. My daughter's two now. Mm-hmm. Um, I had very, very, and I don't know if this is too much. I had very, very severe postpartum after my daughter. I was very, very depressed, very down, had a very hard time with just the whole transition. So I think knitting and crocheting helped me feel more in control because I knew what I was doing. I knew how, what it was going to look like. I just kind of um, was able to relax and like put myself into my work and make me calm me down a little bit. So I think I've definitely leaned into it more um, in my postpartum state than anything else. It definitely helps me through some really, really dark times during Um, like late night feedings and things like that just like to relax me after Mm. I think it's a common thing the idea of having something that was kind of controllable and predictable when Mm. we're in times where everything else seems kind of crazy and exactly yeah and I think also quite common to people go back to it after having a baby when you've you're in a phase of your life where I don't know about you but I certainly felt like I didn't have much to show for my day like all of the tasks I'd done would be done again tomorrow, like changing that exactly. feeding the baby. Exactly. It's very repetitive, but it's repetitive in like a different way than like knitting and crocheting, like the rhythmic, like crocheting of like a, just like a classic, like granny ripple, just like puts me into a, like a state where I'm just like very calm, very relaxed. I'm like watching TV or I'm listening to music and it's just like, it brings me to a different place, which I really, I needed at that time. And I still, I love it. I use it as an escape every single night. 
It's yeah. my favorite thing. Yeah. It <laughs> so sounds like there's something about the rhythmical movements, something about being kind exactly. of predictable. I wondered exactly. whether it matters or mattered for you in the time when you were struggling about what it was you were um, crocheting or knitting. Like, did it matter about the colors or the, I don't know, fibers? It didn't matter as much. I think I was, so when I was pregnant, you know how you have like aversions to certain things or certain foods. You're like, no, I don't want to like things just make you nosh, whatever. So yarn actually um, was that for me. I was like, I can't touch yarn. I was like, I want yarn away from me, which was a very bizarre feeling. So once I had um, my daughter, I was like, oh, I'm not, it was like the texture. I don't know what it was. My body was just like, do not do this right now. So once I had her, I was like, yes, like I was a knitting and crocheting machine whenever she was sleeping. I was so excited to be able to get back into it. But yeah, I think it's like definitely the rhythmic. I have so much. To, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like getting <laughs> off track. <laughs> no, carry on. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So like it didn't matter what I was making at all. It was just the rhythmic motion of doing something and making sure that I can I felt accomplished. I could see something at the end of the day that I actually did. I mean, I had a child, obviously, which was amazing keeping her alive. But like sure. it was it was something I could control. And I think that was a big, a big thing for me. And that's a big thing with knitting. It's something I can control, make something I can, I know what I'm getting and it makes somebody happy when you give it to them. Mm. I think I definitely felt the same in COVID when everything seemed really scary and out of control. And I needed like, I'm just going to knit this sweater (laughs) that has a beginning and an end and a pattern that's quite absorbing for my brain so that I don't think about all of the scary stuff. Um, yeah, so I can exactly. totally relate to that. Were there times when you weren't able to knit or crochet when things were really hard or could you always do some of it? I could always do some of it. I It's something I feel like it's just like part of me now. Like I'm always making something like if I'm sitting on the couch, like if it's even if it's just like a square, like I said, I'm always doing something like you like I'm holding a swatch right now. I don't even know what this is going to be, but I just keep playing with it. Like it's yeah, it doesn't necessarily matter what it is. It's just always something. Hmm. And I wondered about the design process, whether that feels like it ticks different boxes for you to the sitting and doing the meditative kind of knitting and crochet does that give you something different I try it does it does so I'm able to look more at what's in style what's in fashion what kind of ways to bring the craft forward and kind of make it for different consumers that's really our like my main goal is to bring the younger generation into knitting and crocheting and kind of Mm -hmm. make it more appealing to them um but I think I think I had mentioned earlier that the the younger generation is noticing the mental health benefits of knitting and crocheting. So they're looking for those rhythmic patterns. They're looking for things that are, that look aesthetically pleasing, but are very um, fun to make or things that they can make quickly that they feel accomplished to give them that sense of individuality. So I think it really carries over. I carry over the, my mental health benefits into my work and into the things that I'm giving and showing people to make um, mm. to help them also get those benefits from it. So I think it's very, we, we it's very similar, but we do have to figure out a fashion way to get, to kind of almost trick them into the mental health benefits. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. I think more people in, in COVID were looking for something, I felt like looking for something oh, yeah. or doing things that they maybe didn't realize were beneficial for their mental health because they'd stopped yeah. doing things they weren't allowed to do anymore. Like, I don't know, going to the gym or 
outside things that they could no longer access. They started yeah. doing things they could do in the house. And then mm-hmm. they realized actually they were quite therapeutic. But I work predominantly with um, kind of children and young people, mainly teenagers. And I'm always talking about the therapeutic benefits of knitting and it's hard to hook them in. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes we end up mm-hmm. talking about other crafts that they might have tried when they were kids or things that might feel yeah. more, I don't know, socially acceptable perhaps, <laughs> yeah. um, but maybe have some similar benefits. But I think with knitting, like the how easy it is, how small an increment you could do something in, how portable it is. You know, there are lots of things that are fairly unique to knitting and crochet, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of, there are a lot of things that are unique to it. And I think once you show that it really can help you express yourself and like show your individuality, I think that's what can really resonate with, you know, the teenagers that you're working with and things like that. Like, I think it's really important to show that they can because my big thing went forever was expressing myself. Like I was in fourth grade screaming at my mom that I needed to go to public school to wear um, my own clothes because I couldn't wear a uniform because I wasn't expressing myself. Like I've been that way forever. So I feel like I like to, it's definitely in the knitting and crochet world where people are trying to express themselves and show their individuality. And I think that definitely gives you a mental health benefit when you feel comfortable in the community that you're in. Hmm. And that's I think something... that's a good way to spin it. Yeah, that's something I feel like I haven't talked as much as maybe I'd like to about the whole um, impact of making your own clothes on your body image. Because that for me was quite a big shift because I knitted for quite a long time without making kind of garments. I would make accessories Mm -hmm. or gifts. I didn't really have clothes that I wore daily that I'd knitted and I wasn't sewing at that point but I felt like it really made a massive difference when I started wearing things I felt a bit more me (laughs) and like it was a bit like having a superhero outfit when you would talk about it it's almost like telling people you have pockets you're like oh my god I made this like look at that you know what I mean like oh cool and like everyone wants to talk about it and it's fun yeah, I wondered whether yeah, I wondered whether it felt like that to you as a teenager. There was a, a more newness of your outfit when you'd made it yourself. Did it feel I different? definitely felt that way. I definitely felt that way. I don't think the people like the people around me knew much about the craft or knew that like it was made by me or like that I, you know what I mean? I think it was more like that was more my own personal like I was doing it for me. Yeah. And now I'm like more like showing people what I'm doing so that they can get into it too. So mm-hmm. I'm like, look how cool this is. You can do this too. It's so easy. Like I'm always offering to teach people to knit or crochet. Like I'm com- I comment on every single celebrity's Instagram and TikTok. Like, can I teach you to knit or crochet? Like somebody's going to answer me one day <laughs> and I'm going to bring like knitting and crocheting to like the world and I'm excited. But like, I <laughs> think it's uh, it's interesting. Yeah. So it sounds like it made a big difference to your kind of identity when you were a teenager. And are you still making things that you wear yourself? Yeah. Not so much. You are. Yeah. I try. I try. I mean, it's more definitely more home, like home deck stuff, like blankets and more of that rhythmic thing we were talking about to get more of the relaxing. So I don't really have to look at a pattern at night. I just am like just going. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I definitely still make things for myself. And I love seeing my daughter and things that I make. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's really fun. So hopefully she'll be a customer for learning to knit yeah. and crochet. I hope that she always picks up my crochet hooks. I don't know if it's to mess up my yarn or it's to try. So we're we're waiting to see what she's going to do. <laughs> sure. <laughs> she's a bit young still, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. Great. OK. And does it matter to you, like, color wise? Like, how much is that 
does that affect your mood when you're crafting or not particularly? Um, I think it's interesting because I have to work with so many different things during just like during my day job, like when yeah. I'm um I have to work with all different yarns. So I would say, yeah, when I'm doing my personal projects, I definitely am very particular about colors and things that I want to use because I have to use so many crazy things during the day that I use a more muted palette at night. So I'm not using, um, cause we have crazy, some crazy yarns that come out that I have to figure out what to make with that I'm playing with all day. And I just want that like very generic, you know, for, um, CYC for like worsted weight, just like plain yarn at night that's usually what I go for so it sounds like you need a lower kind of stimulation <laughs> exactly overstimulated with yarn during the day I mean I, I'm buried in yarn at my apartment so yeah <laughs> literally and it sounds like it also needs to be quite rhythmical maybe that's also about the phase of life you're in with a toddler at home. oh yeah <laughs> you're probably oh yeah tired. something that's you know I know what to expect exactly it's very like I just think the the control of it all, like just being able to control what I'm making and sit there and like be able to know like, oh, I'm going to pick up where I left off last night. I have like, I'm going to do 10 rows and then I'm going to go read my book, like things like that. Like I, I think that's like a cool, um, it helps me wind down at night. Sure. I wondered about um, focus as well. Like um, as somebody who's obviously quite busy, <laughs> yeah. whether um a lot of people talk about it kind of bringing them into the here and now and helping them to focus and certainly if I'm like I don't know listening in a zoom call or in a meeting where I'm not really so active I would have my knitting with me I don't know whether that happens presumably if you work in a yarn company oh yeah that's the kind of thing you can get away with <laughs> oh yeah I'm constantly knitting or crocheting I am I was walking around a meeting um, a couple of weeks ago and everyone was making comments because I was up presenting and knitting while I was talking because it helps it just I it helps me focus it helps me know remember what I'm talking about I'm just like my hands are busy and I can keep my mind on other things and I just like it's an I, I think it's a great skill to have honestly to be able to talk and knit at the same time because people are so fat we're so fascinated by it and it kept me calm and it kept me kept me less nervous presenting in front of people yeah and do you take knitting and crochet out and about with you in the world oh yes Mm -hmm. everywhere I always have it in my purse um whenever there's downtime or whenever I'm just like talking or chatting or whatever I always have it in my hands um mm -hmm. always doing something yeah and yarn. was that always the way was there ever a time I don't know that you wouldn't have done that when you were young, like a teenager presumably you were the only one who might have had it with you um I'm still the only one that has it with me <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> um they laugh. They're like, of course, Jessica has yarn in her bag. Yeah. Um, I always bring an extra set of needles and yarn in case anybody wants to join me. I'm not like, you know, I'm not going to do it by myself if you guys want to, you know, join. Um, but yeah, I would say probably in college, I didn't carry it around as much because no one really um, like at the bars and stuff. I didn't bring it with me, but now I would bring it out. And um, I brought it out a few times. and My husband makes fun of me because I'm sitting at the bar with the beer crocheting or knitting and it's very relaxing to me that's just like a great way to end the week yeah I do the same so you're yeah. not alone <laughs> love it I love it yeah the other day I went to a cafe actually and somebody else in there had yarn and needles and I'd gone in there unexpectedly actually to help somebody cast something off I didn't even oh, have my cool. own knitting with me <laughs> but another human was oh, yeah. uh, that's how you can there. meet your best friends it's like a great <laughs> yeah. community and everyone wants to talk about it 
Yeah. And you do get people, especially on the tube, like the underground in London, mm-hmm. people, there's not much to look at, really. So everybody's yeah. looking on their phones. But if you are knitting there, you find pe- loads of people staring at your hands because there's nothing else to look at. I'm watching you. I, when we were getting on the airplane um, the other day from we were flying back from L.A. from a photo shoot and um, a man asked me what I was making. And then on the plane, every time he walked by me, he was like, how far have you gotten? Like asking me questions about like my status and like how, you know, it was fun. I was like, oh, it's just a square. <laughs> like I'm just keeping myself busy on the plane. But he was like fascinated by it. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, have you? I'm interested to know whether you have like an elevator pitch for the people you would like to encourage to start knitting who don't knit. Like, have you got a thing you say to people to try and, I don't know, tell them why they should do it? Because I always feel like I should have one and it's quite long yeah. and not very well formed. <laughs> well, I'm my big thing is a lot of my friends work in fashion. So a lot of where I, I kind of pick, you know, pick and choose my audience. So I see like if they want, um, more fashion forward things I spin it like you can make your own garments I can make you a sweater with the colors that you want that fits perfectly like you could do anything like literally the options are endless like anything you want um, and I think that helps them that's brought like at least two of my friends into at least trying none of them have really continued to knit but I'd say I got them to try at least once but there's no real if they're gonna try it they're gonna try it I can't um, I haven't had much success convincing people into going mm. into doing it, yeah. which is unfortunate. Mm. But none of my friends are very, they're like, you could just make it for me. That's the kind of, that's the response I get. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to hear about a significant knitting or crochet project for you. Have you got something that comes to mind? I would say my significant, I mean, my favorite thing that I've ever made would be my cat couch, the couch that I made for um, my cat, because he's my, Walter's my little baby. Um, He, I made it, it looks like a little couch. He slept on it the first day and it was like the happiest. I was like, oh my God, he loves it he's in love with it this is the best thing ever and now my daughter tries to sit on it so I think that's like my favorite thing and that definitely gets the most use but it's just like a little couch it looks like a mini and is it knitted or crocheted um it's crochet but Uh I have a knit version also Uh um she doesn't play with that one because that one is down in Georgia at our warehouse um but the crochet one she's definitely gotten a ton of use out of um and the cat just sleeps on it all day it's amazing. Oh, I thought the story was going to be the cat slept on it the first day and then has never gone near it ever no, since because that's my experience of cats. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they don't necessarily see all the hard work you put into it. Yeah. I think that's why I'm so proud of it. And I'm still <laughs> talking about a cat couch is because it's still being used today. I think it's everyone's like, you made a cat couch. I'm like, yes, you don't understand. He loves it. And he lounges on it and it's perfect. And even my daughter tries to sit on it. So that's like my I think my proudest moment. Proudest amazing. Project. And it sounds like it's well loved, but has it yet is, survived. Still holding up. Yes. Brilliant. Great. Okay. <laughs> so both your babies love it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. And what is your relationship like with all the things? I guess there's hundreds of things you've made. Like, are there things that hold like memories for you, particularly like clothes or things like that? Um, or um, whether you liberate them and they go out into the world and you don't think much about them afterwards, your things that you've made? I think things that I have each have their own time when I made them. And I know, I know exactly when I made it, what was happening and why I made it or why I picked the, that color or why I picked that yarn. Um, 
so I think it's it's nice to have like a little like like capture like that moment in time of like when you made this what you were feeling kind of like a temp like a mood blanket but like mood projects mm-hmm. so it's like I know how I was feeling you can kind of see you know my mood by how intense the either stitch pattern is or the color work or things like that if I was yeah how I was feeling that day more stressful mm-hmm. means more color work okay tell yeah. me more about that that's interesting so I like to focus on the graph or on the um what's it called on the pattern so if it's a more intense pattern then I'm not thinking about anything else I'm thinking about that pattern that yarn that project I don't have to the more rhythmic is to like get out of my day and watch tv and like kind of do that the um color work and more advanced patterns are to escape I would say Mm. to really like put my head into the knitting and not think about anything else um and that definitely helps me and I would personally have projects in both no not opposite like exactly the same actually but I would make sure I always had projects in both categories so that I could bring the easy one to the pub on the bus blah 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 or while I listen to my kids read and then the complicated one I could sit with in the evening where I want to switch off from work or whatever else and just absorb my brain in it because the easy one wouldn't be enough um, yeah. So I think very similarly, but I would now that I'm thinking more consciously about the mental health benefits for me, I think I deliberately choose my next project with those things in mind. Like, what is it giving me for my mental health? What yeah. do I need? <laughs> Before I would have been like, that's pretty, I'll knit that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's more yeah about the process, I think, for me. I definitely do that. So that has that is exactly what has changed for me. It's definitely more into the the process of it more into if I have a project started and I'm like, this is just not doing it for me right now. Like I'm not, it's either stressing me out because I'm not getting it done fast enough, which definitely happens to me because I can turn knitting and crocheting into a competition for myself for some reason and take out the mental health benefits. Um, But I think, yeah, I think it's more like, I don't know, the just throwing yourself into the project, really seeing the, just like the act like going into the stitches and really throwing yourself into it is what gets me out of a really big funk Mm. and would you let yourself put the knitting in the naughty corner and just leave it if you felt like this is not for me right now maybe you can't if it's your job (laughs) well the land of uh of lost whips um I have an entire basket next to my couch of like because you know like I said when I decide it's not doing it for me I start a new one and I also have ADHD so it's like little strips of projects everywhere um but I yeah I think I I definitely pick up new things when I'm when I'm looking for something different or if it's just not working for my head and I'm constantly trying new patterns constantly looking for things that will get me to that place mentally that I feel and if I I find if I think about the end result of the project that I'm making, then I tend to not finish it. I have to just keep looking at the instructions one by one. I can't just focus on like, oh, I'm making this. If I tell somebody what I'm making, I don't finish it. Okay. Is that a pressure thing? Or I think it's more like I got the benefit of saying that I finished it or saying that like got the idea out and told somebody about it. They got excited about it. And I'm like, cool, that's great. And in my brain, I'm like, check next project because they thought that was cool instead of just seeing it all come together. Do you know what I mean? So I'm yeah. constantly creating and seeing what she, what people think about it. And then like, I have to like work on finishing each project. Mm-hmm. 
Sure. And I think that's like definitely part of the mental um, benefits of it too. You feel when you get to the, the end, like the finish line, you feel very accomplished because getting there for me is very difficult. Mm, sure. Like going through all the steps and getting to yes, the end. Exactly. Yeah. Sure. And I wondered, I mean, it's interesting. You said you have ADHD. I'm interested in the relationship with knitting and ADHD. Um, I, <laughs> I have a, uh, some funny videos about it. I post like, I, I have a bunch of different, they're like probably no bigger than my husband says I like to make pot holders because everything's about like six inches big or like a little square. Um, because I'm constantly looking at, at new things. I'm getting excited about new colors. I'm touching like new things. And then I'm trying to do it as fast as I can. So I have, um, yeah, I, I watch like YouTube videos on speed knitting, which is not the best because that takes the relaxation out of it. Um, but I just, you know, it's fun. To me, it's like a competition with myself. How fast can hmm. I do it? Sure. And it sounds like in many ways, the creativity and the drive that might be part of also seen as part of your diagnosis of ADHD might be super helpful for your job. Yeah, it is. <laughs> like it if you were not is. into knitting swatches, being a designer is probably not for you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I'm constantly testing new yarns, which is, is also perfect because I have to see how they work up. So the smaller swatches definitely um, help me with that. So I'm, you know, putting it positive spin. Mm-hmm. The little swatches are good for, are good yeah. for my mental health as well. And when I work, you know, I work with quite a few young people with um, a diagnosis of ADHD. And quite often, I think knitting would be really helpful in terms of getting some of that rhythmical kind of relaxation and also being able to do it while paying attention to something else that can help you focus like I find and you obviously find when you're giving a presentation. Um, I don't know whether, yeah, that works for you, whether you think maybe that was part of the appeal in the first place for you. I think I think so, because like with, you know, fidget spinners, for example, they're keeping, you know, the kids hands busy while they're, um, or they have like the spinny rings. So you can spin the ring if you're like, you know, have to keep your hands busy. And I think definitely that has helped, um, calm me down and keep me focused for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. sure. Bring me back down to earth. Cause it's something that I'm doing. And I just constantly come back down to, you know, like the knitting base and then I'm paying attention. Yeah. Sure. And I've had lots of people who've said that they struggle to sit down like in the evenings. Otherwise, they would somebody described it as seatbelting them in their chair with their knitting. Sometimes it's quite literally because I've got all these different threads (laughs) when you're knitting with multiple strands. And yeah, actually, it's quite hard to move. As it happens. It is. That's the that's the joke my husband always makes. He's always like, you're connected because I'll go walk to the bathroom and I'm just bringing a trail of yarn with me through the apartment to the bathroom. It's just (laughs) everything's back to me. Yeah. That happens to me too. (laughs) Brilliant. I'd love to know, Jessica, about your relationship to mistakes, because my assumption is that I and many other knitters, I'm assuming it's not just me, make mistakes often. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I feel like my relationship to mistakes has evolved over time um, and that it's maybe also benefited my life outside of knitting. What's your relationship to making mistakes in crafting? So I think before I started at Lionbread, I've been here for about five years. I worked in fashion. So I worked at Ann Taylor mistakes there with like, you know, development and things like that with production and just like, um, were handled a lot differently. So I was, when I came here and I started making, having sweaters made, or I was making things myself, I needed it to be perfect. I needed it to look like it was machine knit. Like you bought it at the mall. Cause that was the appeal to me. That's what I was used to. And the owner of the company, um, 
David Blumenthal actually told me, he was like, he kept giving me feedback where he was like, this is not, we're not at the mall. Like we're not gap. Like this is not, we're not making things. They don't need to be perfect. It's handmade. And he really helped me let go of that, like perfectionist mindset when it comes to my knitting. And I love, I love the little imperfections. And I think everyone needs to kind of, it's helped me embrace them, not only in knitting, but in my life. I feel like the little mistakes are not that big of a deal because they make you who you are. They make the garment what it is. People want that handmade kind of element to it. And so it it brought me out of that a little bit. So I think my relationship with them with mistakes and like my knitting or crochet right now is just completely like it's part of the process. It's part of just everything. There are little imperfections and everything and just like embrace it kind of thing. Mm. So would you leave them if you're knitting something like your own stuff? Would you leave it? Would you rip it back? I leave it Mm. because I work very quickly. So I'm like, there's no way I'm taking out. And okay. <laughs> if I can fix it, maybe, but usually I'm like, no, it's fine. Nobody's going to see it. Um, mm-hmm. Cause it's really only you that notices it most of the time, unless yeah. it's like you know, a big, like you completely change a stitch pattern. Like you really, you're the only one that's going to see it. So like, just like, don't be so hard on yourself is kind of like how I've learned to evolve. Cause I've been very hard on myself in the past. And I think knitting has allowed me to kind of get over that. Like I can control it, but I don't need to be perfect. Mm. So it sounds like it's allowed you to develop a bit more self-compassion for that. And that maybe that's filtered out into other areas of your life that you can also be a bit kinder to yourself. Yeah, exactly. And like, I think it's a good thing. Like I, and I, you had said like the elevator pitch, like I definitely have told my friends this before because they, you know, I talk about my mental health all the time. That's just like, I, that's something I'm very interested in and very into. Um, And I think it's important to know like what can calm you down and what helps and what, you know, how everybody's feeling and things like that. So I'm always telling them that like, it definitely helped me become a little more confident because I can see things that I finish and just a little more confident. Even if I make a mistake, it's absolutely fine because the end result still is beautiful and people, you know, it's for myself. It's not for people, for other people usually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd say, perfect. Yeah. Um, you said that you talk about mental health a lot and that's really important to you. I'd love to hear about something you do outside of knitting to benefit your mental health so something you kind of deliberately worked into your life that helps you running uh-huh so I run um have you always been running. a runner no so in um my mom always laughs because I always wanted to join cross, cross country in middle school I was like begging her I'm like please let me join she's like fine you can join I'm like I need new sneakers I needed like these hundred dollar sneakers and she was like you have to go for three days and then I'll buy you the sneakers I went one day and I was like, they're making us run around the school. This is crazy. And my mom was like, yes, it's cross country. So I stopped because I was like, running was not my thing. Then when I graduated college, I was like, you know what? Like, maybe I can do this. Like, maybe I can try to run. Like if I put like maybe a 10K or have a goal, maybe I can try to get myself into some shape and run. So me and my best friend trained for the Brooklyn Half Marathon and we did it. And ever since then, we did it together. We were both not runners at all. Like we would. How long ago was this? uh, Probably like eight years. Oh, wow. Yeah. About eight years ago. Yeah. Um, So we did it together. We finished. It was amazing. I didn't die, which was wonderful. I was just very sweaty. And then, um, yeah, ever since then, I've just been in love. So I run pretty much every day, um, five days a week as much as I can, you know, mm-hmm. try with my daughter. Um, 
but yeah, that's definitely something that helps a lot. Cause it really gets you. It's the same thing with knitting. It really gets you in the zone and you just kind of like, you just go. And I love it. I've seen people knitting at the gym. Knitting at the gym. Did you say? Yeah. Yeah. Really? They're sitting on the bike knitting. Oh, wow. Amazing. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I, I think about it, but I'm like, that's just too much for me. I don't know if I can do both. And maybe it would get sweaty. Yeah, sweaty yarn. Yeah. That's no good. Is it? <laughs> no, I think one thing at a time is fine. Exactly. I agree. I agree. And you can enjoy your knitting when you get home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. I was also an anti-runner who started running actually in COVID because I needed really? a way of exercising like quick in the quickest, most flexible time possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And do I never you, thought I'd enjoy it. I do. And I am in theory training for a half marathon and I have no idea whether I can run that far at all, but I've got a a knee niggle currently. So if I can overcome that, then that's the plan. (laughs) You can do it. You can do it. It's going to be so much fun. You feel so accomplished after, and then you just go and eat pizza or something, just like a ton of bread or pasta and you feel great. (laughs) And then I took a long nap. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, I certainly would love to do it if I can. Yeah. Yeah. But thanks for the pep talk. Yeah, no. <laughs> Something else. You can make yourself a commemorative little um piece for your for your medal. You can put <laughs> Like Tom Daly. I don't know yes, if you exactly. Oh, you do know who he is. <laughs> yes, I do. Exactly. Yeah, that'll be perfect. I'm not sure whether um half marathon medals <laughs> quite the same as an Olympic gold, but yeah. <laughs> You know I'm what? not it getting is. an Olympic gold. <laughs> yeah, to us it is. That's our Olympic gold, right? There. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> brilliant um so Jessica I always end with asking what's the greatest gift that knitting has given you for the rest of your life what are your thoughts about that question I think the greatest gift is my the people I've met um Mm. in the community I would say um because they're some of the most passionate talented just like creative people I've ever I've ever met and it's of all ages so that like really um surprised me how everyone in the community because fashion could be very ageist if you're you know um working for you know like a big fashion company they you know everyone's very young and it's very young focused but I think this community is very accepting of everybody and I think that is the greatest gift that I can give anybody just the acceptance like you can come in here and not know a single thing and everyone will teach you what you need to know mm-hmm. um and I think that's the that's the greatest part the the community maybe we should add that to our sales elevator yeah. pitch we <laughs> with should. all the young we people should. we're trying to encourage to start knitting <laughs> exactly exactly and like yeah it's just really you know knitting like little knitting clubs and um like guilds and things like that you just really see like I've spoken at some of them and you really see people just like are so excited to show their projects, show what they made, and everyone's so supportive of everybody. And it really, it's really nice. Hmm. And are those really people really. you know in person, or are they like also online? How did you first come into contact with that knitting community that you talk about? I would say in person. So when I started, it really was when I started at Lion Brand coming in and not really knowing the knitting community and knowing much about it. They weren't like, you're, you're not, you've never done this. You're not like, part of this club like you can't sit with it like they were never like that they were very very accepting and just like the people I've brought in to just into lion brand like that work with me like my assistant Allison like she's my best friend now like it's just we have very similar interests and very 
it's just yeah I think the community and the friendship is really and I think um I don't know what you find obviously I have this kind of angle of thinking about the mental health benefits of knitting but I feel like it's I'm kind of preaching to the choir because I feel like almost everyone who's a knitter feels it's important to their mental health I don't know whether you think the same oh yeah absolutely I think everybody is doing it for a reason or doing it they have a way that they learn there's always a story behind how they learned how to knit or how they learned how to crochet or when they first picked up those knitting needles and I think it's all very it's very interesting and very fun and it's a very nostalgic feeling because they're you know either their grandmother taught them and they're no longer here and they can remember them by doing this it's just it keeps everybody connected to the things that matter to them I think Mm, brilliant it was a pleasure to talk to you. Um, if it's people want to find out more about your designs and your work, how would they do that? They could go to, well, I design for lionbrand.com. So all three patterns we put out. Um, and then on my um, on my Instagram, mm-hmm. so Jessica Lee. And Instagram. how do you spell Lee? So it's Jessica, J-E-S-S-S-I-C-A-L-E-E-E. Okay. Perfect. (laughs) And I'll put a link in the show notes. Awesome. Okay, Jessica, thank you so much. Thank you. It was great speaking with you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Why I Knit podcast. If you'd like to find out more about my work, you can visit my website, which is therapeuticknitting.org. You can also support the podcast by donating monthly on Patreon. You can find out more by visiting patreon.com forward slash therapeutic knitting. You can also follow me on Instagram at knitting is therapeutic. I always love to get your suggestions for people to interview for the podcast. So if you or someone you know would make a great guest on the podcast, then please do get in touch and let me know. You can email me at mia at therapeuticknitting.org or you can get in touch with me by direct message on Instagram. Thank you.